0: Hey, it's Bill Spadia. Thanks for joining me for Speaking Cops Back the Blue podcast, the official podcast of the New Jersey State PBA. We are here to talk about the amazing work PBA members do every day in our communities and correctional facilities, and of course, the way they continue to serve as frontline heroes. We are also speaking about the legislative, labor relations, health benefits, and other issues that directly impact our members and their families. This episode of Back the Blue podcast is made possible by Autoland. The Autoland experience includes $1,000 $1,000 discounts off MSRP for PBA members on all vehicles. We want to thank all of our sponsors who back the blue and back our nearly 40,000 active and retired members, Jeff and Debbie Rosen at Lending to Heroes, the Florida House Experience, Capital Benefits, the J. Harris Academy, and many, many more. To connect with any of our sponsors, log on to njspba.com slash nj-cops-magazine. Hey guys, Bill Spadier here. Welcome back to Speaking Cops Back the Blue. Today I am joined by Derek James, who's president of the Hudson County Corrections Local 109. We're talking about corrections officers and we're talking about uh, the climate in law enforcement right now and what uh, what our hero cops are doing to uh, to set this narrative straight. Derek, welcome to, to our podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Bill. Thanks for having me. So, Derek, let, let's start right away. Uh, let's talk first uh, just about corrections officers in general. I think, uh, you know, oftentimes I've spoken to a couple graduations and I've talked to a lot of the guys. And I, I find that corrections officers don't always get the same play as cops on the street. It's almost like they're this this hidden part of law enforcement that the general public doesn't know about. Uh, that's correct. Um, I've been in this business for 26 years. I won't say
1: that we uh, get a black eye, uh, but a lot of times we're hidden away from uh, what actually takes place in the public. And so we're kind of like uh, almost forgotten about. So So we're no less, we're no less or greater than any other law enforcement arm in the
0: system, in
1: the justice system.
0: So let's talk about it. Let's start with the the feeling out there. You know, we had We've got this narrative going on right now that that cops are immediately looked at as the bad guys. It is, you know, guilty until you prove you're innocent. And how hard is it for cops to be able to do their job in this climate?
1: Uh, Well, it's a a terrible narrative because, uh, you know, I often tell my guys, and the way I actually uh, deal with disciplinary matters or criminal matters, is that although uh, law enforcement, not just corrections, but cops, law enforcement in general, are expected to be held to a higher standard, the, contract, uh, the, the Constitution of the United States shouldn't be negated by that, and, in the sense that you're innocent until proven guilty under all circumstances, although I understand that we're held to a higher standard than the
0: average citizen. Does that make sense? Yeah, it it does. You know, it's interesting you say that. Um, people think that once you take on that job of being a cop, that uh, that because you've got this authority that's built in to stop someone, to check for their license, to stop them from what they may think is a normal activity, to make sure you're keeping the peace, uh, that right away the uh, you know the, your constitutional rights of the cop don't apply, which which I think is outrageous. But let let's talk about this thing. We hear about. Um, institutional and systemic racism we hear this narrative over and over again from politicians and a lot of virtue signaling from corporations but the reality is uh, it seems to me that for a black cop it makes it a lot harder you know because you get you're almost under a, a different kind of scrutiny just based on the color of your skin what what, what how has that been for for uh, black and brown police officers uh in, you know in all honesty um you know that and i understand
1: you know the question. But I think that the question of racism and how it plays on law enforcement, I think that a lot of times what happens is we're driven by media clearly. And then we're also driven by the narratives being set by the legislative body for, for municipal, for county, for mm-hmm. state. And unfortunately, um, you know, I recognize that um, sometimes you have to almost feed the narrative or feed a story to the population, the voting population anyway. Um, I don't hear too many uh, symposiums or, uh, you know, uh, what's, what, lack of, for lack of a better word, I don't hear too much speak or talk mm-hmm. about what's causing uh, the perception of racism within, within the law enforcement community. I don't hear too many uh, conversations
0: or uh, lively discussions about that. I'd um, you know, be a point, Eric. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say that's a great point. They don't talk about that often. I, I brought up the other day. I've been hammering this point that there, you know, if there's any issue when it comes to race in particular, why is no one talking about? I, I use New York City as the example because it's just so the contrast is so stark, and it's such a it's it's a sad statistic when you see the victims of homicide and manslaughter in New York City. 88 percent of those victims are. Black or brown Americans, and ninety-two percent of the suspects are black or brown Americans, and it's like no one talks about the fact that cops are called into these situations all the time, and then you, especially as a corrections officer, you're dealing with those uh, those perps that get arrested that are either they're they're waiting trial or they've been convicted and they're serving their sentence, and you know it's too easy to look at race as an issue. Maybe it has nothing to do with race. Right. Well, I you know I, I believe
1: that race from a personal perspective, plays a factor in everything. And that has a lot to do with where you were raised, how you were raised, who raised you. Uh, Some racism is uh, systemically taught um, from a very early age. But we'd have to go so far back into history to try to break down the whole, uh, you know, the the dynamics of the racial divide in this country. So, I mean, we'd be here until tomorrow trying to figure that out. Maybe uh, beyond that, Derek. (laughs) What I will say is one thing that I often preach to my guys, and this is almost on a monthly or daily, weekly, and monthly basis, is if you're going to dissect what's going on currently or the current climate in the country, there's a couple of things that have to be factored in. And we'll just stay in New Jersey for the purpose of my answer. There's 33,000 members of the PBA. If 1% of that 33,000 members are bad or evil and uh, evil spirited or evil have evil intent or even racist intent. One percent of thirty-three thousand, we know the answer to that, alright. That's too many bad cops. That to the public, that looks like we're the 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 balance of us are all evildoers. And that's not true. You have to if you break down the math and you said one percent of thirty-three thousand to most normal people that would still that number would still be too high. So you know you have to almost parse it out and, and, and almost ignore the headlines and start looking at the percentage. The other thing i just like to add is, and this is something else I preach to my guys, in law enforcement, there's really no such, and I, I know this is a, a, a statement I'm going to make next, is controversial, but there's not really, there's no such thing to Derek as a bad cop. There's good guys doing bad things. Because we also represent a segment of the community, of the populace, who can actually pass a background check, go to the academy, pass a psychological exam, and go through all of the things that are required to to have this extraordinary power that's not bestowed on the general uh, population. We represent a small group of people to protect and serve. Not everybody can do that. The same thing applies to the firefighters. Not everyone can pass the initial test to get into the fire department and then maintain that level of readiness to go out and uh, take on
0: the assignments uh, that they're tasked with. Derek, what incredible perspective that is. Before we continue, I just want to thank um, our sponsors. Uh, You know, I say this often that it's so important. I, I do it on my Radio show in the morning, we talk about New Jersey small business and especially those businesses that back the blue. And uh, I know the New Jersey State PBA wants to thank Lending to Heroes, the preferred lender of the New Jersey State PBA, Capital Benefits, exclusive providers of life insurance and disability insurance to New Jersey State PBA members, and FHE Health, an exclusive partner of the NJSPBA PBA providing substance abuse, addiction, mental health, and PTSD care. Uh, we want to thank all of them. Remember, if you're listening now, you uh, you first want to subscribe to this podcast. so You never miss an episode. Plus, you want to go to the website, njspba.com slash nj-cops-magazine, and check out all the sponsors that back the blue. Uh, Derek, I'll tell you, you know, in all the conversations I've had with police officers over the years, I, I've been doing hashtag Blue Friday on my radio show since December 2015. And all these years, no one has actually put it exactly the way you just put it. And I really appreciate it, that cops are already self-selected into this elite group because of all of the stuff you have to pass, how clean you got to come out. So the, your statement shouldn't be controversial. I know it is, but it's, it's good people doing bad things. Not bad, cops. I, I love that. That is uh, that's a message I really want to help get out there. I think more people need to hear that message. Okay. You know it's 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 important. And let me ask you, when what do you want to say to your members? Uh, so I, you know, ironically, I just had uh,
1: a meeting yesterday uh, with uh, with one hundred and nine and one hundred and nine A, and of course we're coming out of COVID nineteen. Um, So the social distancing is still in place, but we were able to um, do an in-person meeting because we found a place suitable to uh, make that happen. And, you you know, most importantly, um, I don't get into the weeds with the current protesting that's going on around the country. I recognize it's a real issue. But what I say to not only my members, but to all of my brothers and sisters in the New Jersey State PBA is that our actions definitely matter. Because right, wrong, or indifferent, and again, I'm not the jury on the current case that's causing all the protesting around the, uh, the, George, Ford, the George Floyd case. However, your actions, our actions, my actions, has the potential to place 33,000 law enforcement, law enforcement officers around the state in peril and danger. And I don't convict. I don't, I'm not the judge and jury on that case. But our actions clearly matter because at this point, for 33,000 at least, and I'm speaking in particular about my brothers and sisters in the state PBA and every, every local that's part of the state, PA, state PBA, that as until we can figure this out, it now places our heads on the swivel, the swivel, the, 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 the danger or like the, the danger of our families, It places us in peril until this gets sorted out because we've gone from being the blue line that most municipalities around the state of New Jersey proudly painted Mm -hmm. throughout Main Streets from from Mawa to Cape May. They're now removing them because of the stain of one thing that happened with one law enforcement officer. And it places us all in danger. Anyone that wears a uniform is currently in a state of uncertainty, because we've now that one item has turned the entire populace who loved and respected us as heroes. And the, many of them still do. But now there's a segment of people out there who are anti police, anti law and order. And it's all because of this one thing. And again, I don't say that the, the officer uh, in the George Floyd case is innocent or guilty, but our actions matter. I don't know if the use of force was justified or unjustified. I'm not the judge and jury there. I'm entitled to a personal opinion, which I won't give. But looking at it from the proper perspective, our actions matter. And it has consequences, not just on your department, not just on your local, but on the, on the 300 locals throughout the state of New Jersey, be it FOP, PBA, or unaffiliated. Anybody in law enforcement, all the way down to the school security guard, is now in the different state of awareness, because of the actions of one person. So to the delegates, presidents around the state of New Jersey, I preach this to my members constantly. Your actions, you have to be cognizant of the actions you take and the force that you use, or lack thereof, because it does matter.
0: Derek, well said. It was uh, really great to, uh, to meet you over this podcast and talk with you. I-, I appreciate your perspective. I appreciate your strength and your courage and your leadership with, uh, with your members at uh, Local 109. So thank you for being with me today. Thank you for having me, Bill. It was a pleasure.